the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Vocal Booth To Go, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. So, we're really excited because we have two wonderful dual-slash-duet narrators with us today, and that's going to be Jeffrey Kafer and Heather Costa. And uh, among many other things, they actually explain what the heck the difference is between dual and duet narration. So, really happy about that. But before we get to that, we're going to start off with our VO Meter reference levels. VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. Cool. So, uh... I'll start, since I'm being selfish and just feel like it, and I have a couple cool things to talk about. <laughs> First of all, in the spirit of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, I shaved my head completely bald. I saw that. <laughs> it didn't help that you wore one of those stereotypical orange shirts that, like, you just look like a criminal, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I kind of do. It's because I, I have such a, I'm blessed with such a quaff of hair normally that when I, I did a before and after mm-hmm. picture on Facebook and... Because I literally shaved it all the way down and then took a, a cordless um, electric razor and went all the way around it like I was shining a floor or buffing a floor. Oh, wow. So it was really down to, to nothing. So I really do look like either a criminal or a member of a certain gang, one of my neighbors mentioned, that I don't want to bring up because I don't want to be associated with that. But, yeah, I look ridiculous. <laughs> You'd make a great thug. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, I was. Boss. <laughs> Yeah, if I was going out for some some evil roles right now for on camera, it would be great. I was telling my wife I look kind of like um, Mr. Big from uh, from Daredevil. No, no. Oh what, yeah. What's his yeah. name? Not Mr. Oh, Big. Oh, the Kingpin. Kingpin. King, yes. Yeah, thank uh, you. Vince Nafrio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can yeah. see that. Especially with all the extra weight I put on during this pandemic. Yeah, me and me and Vince are pretty close. <laughs> Maybe just put a like, or we could like scar one side and give you a long haired cat, and you can be a Bond villain. Yeah, I do have a scar in the back of my head. I never knew it was there. It's kind of funny. My wife was saying, "What is that thing?" And I said, "I don't know. It's been covered as long as I can remember. I've had hair like this since That's... I was about three weeks old, so it's hard to tell." Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was a fun it's activity. Your tracking chip. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a fun activity for a Sunday afternoon. I, I I did my son's hair as well. So we have a set of barber clippers here, and I did my son's hair and gave him sort of a mini mohawk that he has been begging for. So he looks nice. ridiculous, and so do I. No time like the present. <laughs> yeah. I was tempted to do that too, just because it's like it's starting to get warmer, and my hair is longer than I ever care or like usually have it. But it's just. Funny story, when I was like 13 or so, I was like trying to maintain my hairstyle at the time. I was like, I don't need to go to the barn, just trimming my bangs. And of course, I messed up. And so I was just like, oh, I'm just shave it all off. And I was like, I just looked like a gorilla. It was not good. So I'm like, <laughs> never again. I just don't have the sh- like the head shape for it. And I, I, I don't want to find out again. So, but anyways, work stuff. Yeah, not to believe the point too much, but. Uh... I, I do have that gorilla look because my hair my hair started growing back almost immediately. I was tell, telling my daughter, 
I, I think I see it growing back like as I'm trying to cut it. It's almost like playing whack-a-mole. I was cutting it down with a razor and I could see other patches, almost like a chia pet. So two days later, <laughs> or three days later now, I actually have like visible fuzz in my hair, which is kind of ridiculous. Well, you want a little sunburn protection, I think. Yeah. But anyway, the other reason I did it is because I just signed up for the virtual One Voice conference. So if you know about Gravy yeah, for I the Brain, they are, they are doing a virtual conference. They've lowered the price to ridiculous levels. And if you were going to VO Atlanta and registered member of the, of the conference there, they actually offered an even steeper discount. So I just bought a, a full pass for the virtual conference for 150 bucks uh, and change, Whoa. American. So I'm going on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I won't make all the, the sessions, especially because of the weird time difference. Um, it takes yeah. place in, in London, or at least that's where it's based. Obviously, it's virtual now, but most of the mm -hmm. logistics are done in London. So it's all based on, on London time, and I'm going to be a few hours past that. It looks like five hours I can't remember if it changes during daylight savings time, but at least right now it's five hours. So I have to adjust my schedule accordingly. But there's some cool stuff, and I think it's going to be a really cool alternative to what would have been all the conferences I was going to before the pandemic was happening. I would have just been coming back from Camp VO on Monday. So this will be a nice substitute for getting to see some of my, some of my friends and colleagues and learn something along the way. But the reason really I did the head thing is because the founders... Uh, Peter Dixon and Hugh Edwards are both suffering in the in the uh, the amount of hair department. They're both completely bald. Let's just say it. And then hey, they rock it, man. <laughs> yeah. And then You're J. Part Michael of the Collins. Mr. Clean Club now. <laughs> right. And then J. Michael Collins, who's who heads their uh, U.S. division of Gravy for the Brain, is also completely shaved down. So now I fit in perfectly for the weekend. Showing solidarity for your bald brethren. Mm-hmm. Very cool. This actually reminds me, because, I mean, it's funny because a few years ago, like, the, uh, I remember VoiceOver Extra did, like, the, like, kind of the first VoiceOver virtual conference and stuff like that. And at the time, there just wasn't, like, I, I participated in it because I was in Japan and it was, like, the only real opportunity like that I could do. But I talked to John Florian about it afterwards. And he was like, yeah, we're there just wasn't a demand for it, but obviously how times have changed and people are getting super creative with this. So I think it, it's something that I'm really happy that they're revisiting because obviously for, for various reasons, people can't always attend these conferences live, whether it be a matter of location, cost, uh, travel, all of that. So I'm really excited. I hope it goes well. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes and how people actually participate. I've done a couple of um, happy hours with the APA, the Audio Publishers Association, mm -hmm. and we've had upwards of like 40 to 50 people on those. And while you can't all talk at the same time, there is the, the chat that you have in Zoom. So those have actually been pretty fun. I had some nice conversations with people on Friday night. We had a pa one this past Friday, and it was a lot of fun to talk to people and just reconnect, especially people I know in real life, you know. So I referenced some of the things that we've talked about in actual personal conversations in the online chat, and it does offer a little bit of a of a replacement for the in-person networking. Absolutely, and it, it's funny because that the aforementioned voiceover virtual conference I was talking about, there wasn't really a live component to it. It was essentially just like this hub that you could just look at all of these previously recorded presentations from. So I'm really interested to see how they figure out the logistics of having so many people attending live, per se, yeah, we'll see. If they do it right, it can it can work, I think, and I wish them the best of luck. 
Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting. I mean, like I, I mentioned a few episodes before, uh, GVA has done a number of free talks as well, both within the membership and outside of it. For for the greater VO community, we're doing our Monday Cup of Joe with David Rowe, Rosenthal, that is. And um, so, yeah, we just do those Monday mornings at like 9 to 10. And then for within the membership, we do something similar called our Friday Fireside Chats. So, I mean, it's like there's only so many names we can think of for these things. I see a lot of Fireside Chats, <laughs> a lot of cocktail hours, or happy hours, things like that. But but there really is a demand for that connection and just being able to hang out. And sometimes we talk VO, sometimes we don't. But, yeah, it is really nice to just be able to talk to people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So that's the conference. A couple of work-related things going on, mostly audiobooks right now, because, frankly, there just isn't anything else for me to do. But um, mm-hmm. I'm working on an audiobook right now as a duet narration. No, that's not true. Dual narration, uh, which is <laughs> apropos to the topic at hand. But my partner and I, Avon Shore, are working on a hockey romance. I think I might mention this in the last episode about how it was upcoming, but... It's mm. going. It, we actually started it, and it's due the end of in two weeks. So, I'm full throttle with it right now, and it's going well. And like I think I mentioned in the last episode too, Abe and I have done another book that was pretty successful as a as a dual narration, and I'm really enjoying it. I like that concept, and in fact, I just uh, saw another casting call today that I'm going to put in with uh, with Abe, and it's another hockey romance. So perfectly perfect fit. It's almost the same book I'm doing now but by a different author and very similar topics. Oh, cool. So I have high hopes for that. Easy. Now, that? Is that also on ACX, or is that one of your other... Um, I mean, you don't have to give away secrets if you don't want, but I was just curious, the platform. People have probably seen it. It's, it's from Spectrum Audiobooks, which is a, oh, okay. a publishing company, and it was put in the, the indie or ACX narrator group on it, on Facebook, so I'm sure other people have seen it. And then cool. independently, I just finished my last book, called Archimedes Principle, which is a sci-fi thriller, and that is currently waiting with ACX to be approved. Who knows when that'll be? There's a lot of delays with ACX right now because of the crisis. There's only so much you can do. I've had one book that went through in 14 days, like normal, and then I have a client for Twin Flame Studios who's been waiting for two months, and we have no way of knowing when it's going to be pushed through. And to that end, I've completed one book with Twin Flame Studios where I recorded the author remotely. We spent a whole week, three hours a day, recording him remotely here in my studio, edited it and mastered it, and that's been sent to ACX as well. And I started the second, well, not second, but the another project, second in this last group of, of projects that, that we have booked uh, yesterday. So that author has done five hours so far, and it's going pretty well. And I have another one on the docket. It's coming up in about three weeks. So really busy with Twin Flame Studios and so happy to have that, that opportunity and that, and that work. So thanks to Tina Dietz, who's the owner and founder there. Very cool. So what's been going on with you, sir? Uh, nothing much. Just finish, like speaking of audiobooks, I'm finishing up the one I'm working on right now. Got about five chapters left, so I'm happy about that. Other than that, just keeping our members happy through uh, through GVAA. And we also had a really cool webinar on e-learning with uh, John Kissinger, who's just is amazing. He's done e-learning for a number of decades himself. He's just an instructor uh, at heart. And the webinar is just filled with so many golden nuggets on like on how to pursue e-learning work, what the deliver like the style of delivery for it, how to like 
or like I said, how to market yourself uh, effectively for it. And right now, it's obviously a genre that's blowing up, and then people are trying to scramble to get more work in. So it was a service we were happy to provide. So if you're interested in finding that, it's called eLearning Strategies for Success with John Kissinger, and it's right over on the Global Voice Academy site. So check it out if you're interested. Yeah, John's a cool dude. I met him last year at Vio Atlanta. Uh, I was helping him out with his X session. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're, we're also working on a number of, um, of DAW webinars. Uh, we've got another Audacity one coming up. I believe we got Reap, er, a Reaper webinar in June with everyone's favorite booth junkie, Mike Delgadio. Really excited about that one. And outside of GVA, <laughs> um, I actually got, I, I mentioned this before, but I found I was offered a job to teach at a local independent arts school in Seattle to teach voiceover, like 101, like a 100 series. Well, wait. And we uh, had our first. You didn't, you didn't mention yeah, you was, actually got the job. You did? Yeah, I did. I swear I did. Uh, um, well, if I hadn't, then, yeah, all well, right. Well, congratulations. So I, yeah, we talk, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but like Paul actually found a Craigslist ad for a job in my neck of the woods, and he's like, hey, man, you sound perfect for this. And so I applied immediately, and then we met in like we met in the wintertime before shit went down, and then uh, eventually they decided to hire me. Uh, and we just had our first class last Saturday, and it was great. I did kind of just like an industry overview, and, and then all virtual? some commercial... Yeah, it's all it's all online. It's okay. actually very similar to, to what I do for GVA. It's just kind of like instead of just doing performance practice, there's little elements of um, or like there's like a short lecture before with each class because it's only like two hours with eleven participants. And if you've ever done a workout, honestly, like I mean, you can we we regularly have eight or ten participants in our workouts for GVAA, and like. And 90 minutes goes by real quick. Yep. <laughs> like, um, like, that's honestly barely time for two mi- two rounds of reads and, like, with five or six minutes each. So, yeah, this first session went a little long because there obviously there was, like, that industry overview. And I like to, I like to ramble and inundate people with information. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so hopefully the next ones are going to be more streamlined. And, and I'm still kind of figuring out exactly how I want to organize the course. And they're already talking about doing like not only more advanced courses to continue with these participants, but like another round of this class. So I get to experiment. I'm trying to kind of balance it with like sort of like a professional lecture. Like, for example, this one's going to be on home studio and then couple it with like a performance practice in like animation or whatever. So uh, so each iteration of the course, I'm probably going to tweak it a little bit, maybe like put technical narration with home studio and stuff like that. We'll see. Well, that's great. Yeah, to my recollection, and granted, I may have lost some brain cells along with the hair I shaved off, but I don't think you mentioned actually getting the job. We talked at length about you, the application process, and the interview. I did, but yeah. But congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. If you need curriculum ideas, you you just follow the uh, the episode release schedule of the VO meter. Just go episode one. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing too. It's like I'm also trying to not like I want the the our time together to be a lot more like mic time and in performance practice and stuff like that so i'm starting to just make like pre-recorded stuff or send people resources of of either of stuff that other gva coaches have made um to to serve as the lecture you know to kind of like warm them up for our actual sessions so then we can just dive into reading scripts very cool that pretty much wraps up our vo meter reference levels but it's time for Questionable Gear Purchase. 
All right. Well, this questionable gear purchase segment is going to be very short because Paul and I didn't buy anything. We're both being super selective uh, with our finances for obvious reasons and the fact that you can't really return anything right now um, for those same reasons. So we want to kind of open this up to you guys. We want to hear what you have bought in the past or recently and which you might have regretted had the buyer's remorse, if you will, or... Uh, or just didn't work out for your current situation. So, if you want to send us your questionable gear purchases, you can do so at the VO Meter Facebook page, or you can reach out to me directly at Sean, S-E-A-N, at daily, as in everyday, VO.com. So that's Sean at D-A-I-L-Y-V-O dot com. So we'll get to our interview with Jeffrey Kafer and Heather Costa in just a moment, right after these words from our sponsors. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking, not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking, not unlike myself, and you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist, because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. I'm super excited because we have our first duet, dual interview going on. So uh, I'll go ahead and introduce our first guest. Heather Costa is a SAG-AFTRA audiobook narration and voiceover artist located in Los Angeles, specializing in young adult, romance, and urban fantasy audiobooks. Heather's also a 2020 finalist for the Independent Audiobook Awards for her young adult title, Waters of Salt and Sin. And her new release, Crave, by Tracy Wolf, was just optioned by Universal to become a major motion picture. Take it away, Paul. And also joining us is Jeffrey Kafer, who is an award-winning Los Angeles SAG-AFTRA audiobook narrator and producer. He has performed over 650 titles in all genres, from indie authors to bestsellers. He is a co-chair of the Independent Audiobook Awards and the founder of both Audiobook Boom and FreeAudiobookCodes.com, which helps authors and narrators promote their work to listeners. He also owns a SAG-AFTRA signatory production studio 
High Gravity Productions. So, welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. So, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the current craziness going on around the world, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. And I'm wondering, now that we're in the middle of it, pretty much around the country and around the world, what has changed about your work or how has it affected your work? Um, actually, not much. Uh, fortunately, we worked from home before. Uh, so um, other than not being able to, you know, go out and go to the movies or go to dinner, it's kind of uh, the same thing work-wise. Th- that really hasn't changed much, fortunately. I know I'm doing more laundry because I'm wearing double the amount of pajama pants every day. (laughs) I have my evening PJ pants and I have my daytime work PJ pants. So, Are they labeled Uh, by time of day? (laughs) No, I like to mix it up, keep things, you know, loose and, you know, on the fly. Um, But yeah, no, Heather's right. I mean, we we narrate all the time from home. So in a a way, we're we're really lucky that our, our jobs are COVID immune at least at this point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. We recently talked to Amanda Rose Smith out in New York, and uh, we had a similar discussion. And I said, I feel kind of guilty because I'm still working as much, if not more than ever. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if, if the rest of us, I'm sure everyone's counting their blessings to an extent, but like I said, some of us might even feel a little guilty about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these be strange times. So as I mentioned at the start of the interview, you guys do a lot of dual narration, and now you're starting to do what's called duet narration together. What's the difference? Well, dual narration is when the book is written from two POVs, so chapter one could be the male, chapter two could be the female, the narrator of that particular gender reads the entire chapter, including the male-female dialogue. So male POV chapter, I would read everything, including the female dialogue. With duet, it's more like a radio play where Heather would narrate the female parts and I would narrate the male parts, um, the quotes, you know, the, the dialogue and such. So it's, you know, going back and forth in the chapter, male, female. Very cool. That sounds very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be. It, it's almost impossible to do it in separate studios, but it's, you know, when you're in the same studio, it's, it's not that difficult to do. And it's actually kind of fun to, you know, bounce off each other like that. Yeah. Acting in real time, responding to each other. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems to me that the the genre is is a little more popular than it has been until recently. Maybe it's my imagination, or maybe it's because I'm actually being hired for a few, so my eyes are open. It's like when you you buy a a Honda, and then suddenly you see a Honda every car you pass on the road. (laughs) But do you think that the genre has become more popular and the demand is greater for duet and and dual narration? Absolutely, especially in the romance um, genre. I'm not going to say that it's becoming more popular because it really depends on how the book is written. Um, some books are more suited for dual, while others are more suited for duet. Depends on how the book is written, um, but it's extremely popular, especially in the romance crowd. And why do you think yeah. that is? I I think they like to hear. It adds to the story. It's it's um, there's a, a natural chemistry that happens that. I think the listeners really enjoy, and especially when it's a love story, they, you know, if it's a female listener, they relate to the woman, they want the man, you know, and if it's a, a male listener, you know, they they are the man. So I think it just adds more uh, realness to it for the listener. Yeah, it really is about hearing the chemistry between two people. You know, the more popular narrators, you know, they the, the listeners already have, they feel like they have a relationship with that narrator in a way. So to hear two narrators that they really love working together in the mm-hmm. same booth, that really 
It's exciting. It's exciting, yeah. yeah. Very the cool. The fans ate it up. <laughs> yes. We touched on it a little bit, but what are some of the unique challenges of doing dual and duet narration? Well, for so it takes longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're both sitting in the studio for the entire eight hours. For the or, duet, for the, yeah. He said duet or duet. Oh. Oh, both. No, you can touch on both. It's fine. All right. Well, I'm just going to not answer the question at all. <laughs> no, give us a former and a ladder. Yeah. Maybe you should take over on this one, Heather, because I'm just fumbling. Um, with Duel, you tend to record in, in separate studios, so there isn't really that challenge. I think it's more just when you are when you work with somebody that you're familiar with, you know their... Uh, the style of how they work, you know their characters, but you're sharing you're sharing a folder of character samples. So you're matching each other in that way. With duet, like Jeff was saying, you're actually in the booth together at the same time for the whole book. So, so there's that, a lot of real-time collaboration going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm doing a specific character, she's going to hear how I'm doing it and, yeah. you know, emulate and, you know, vice versa. We're always in touch with each other on the character choices that we make so that they match. You know, the real challenge with duet is not so much when you record in the booth together. That's actually not that difficult Hmm. because you still punch and roll. You know, you still do the job. It's when people try to do it outside, they do do two different studios Mm -hmm. uh, and they try to do duet. There's that opens up a whole host of new challenges um, that people who don't who record together don't have. Matching sound, matching timing, et cetera, et cetera. And the technical hurdle of how to communicate with each other in CD quality in real time over the internet, et cetera, et cetera. It just, there's a lot of tech challenges with that. Um, and you limit, we eliminate that by recording together. Yeah, I'm wondering if that'll change, especially post COVID 19, you know, when we get to our, our new normal, quote unquote. Because the technology that's being used now is is being tested basically for for stress stress levels, um, Jeff from the old uh, quality assurance days. I know you're familiar with that term. So the software, I think, is almost to a point where it's possible to do it. I've actually done it with another narrator, and it was a short book, so or at least short for the female parts. It was only about maybe 50 lines for my partner, and I was able to drop it in and match up the sound. Was not too hard because I just kind of know what I'm doing. But as the software becomes more robust, like Zoom, like but Dalgo call that we're using now, like Source Connect, I think it's it's going to be, I'll say, easier for people to try. It still may, There'll still be some challenges, but I think it might be possible to do once we get past this current, current crisis we're in where we really can't be together. Right. No, it's certainly not impossible. It just creates more challenges. You have to have... More work. Yeah, there's more work. You have to have a certain technical know-how, et cetera, et cetera. You just have to know how to do it. And a lot of people just, you know, they're they're narrators. They're not computer nerds like you and I. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Though. Like you said, it is fun, especially because I'm on the East Coast and a lot of the the narrators that, that are prominent, like yourselves, are in L.A. So it isn't really possible for me in some cases to work with somebody in person, but... I do enjoy it when I try to do it remotely and and use the technology that's available. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just kind of elaborating a little bit more on what the prep looks like for doing these dual and duet narrations versus uh, a single audiobook for you guys. So that's where we will share a Dropbox folder for character samples and kind of decide together the different voices and characterizations of 
you know, if it's a character that's mostly in my point of view, most likely I'll be making those choices. And if it's Jeff's point of view, then I take the lead from him. And just always, you know, it's it's a because it's Dropbox, we can constantly be adding different samples and making notes. So we'll have either in the in the name of the audio sample, um, sometimes there'll be you know a, a description about the character. Just we know each other well in you know in, in that sense, so that it can say, oh, it's the the higher pitched best friend, and we kind of know where that pitch lies in each other's voices. Or sometimes there'll be a you know, a, a Google Doc with notes that we reference um, so that we're on the same page and we're updating it as we go. Yeah, a lot of times the author will provide director notes mm-hmm. for us in in advance, not not after, but in advance they'll provide who is the muse of, who who is their celebrity inspiration when they're writing mm-hmm. this character, how do they hear the, the, act, uh, the character sounding. And they give us that as a baseline, so it's important that we share that, and if we deviate from it, to make notes in that same document. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just so we're on the same page. It's really just about communication. And if there's, um, we'll also drop in pronunciation files. You know, if it's a, a weird name um, or place, we'll make sure that we're both saying it the same way. Right. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And then are there right. ever any arguments about character choices? Like, Je- Jeffrey, have you ever said, well, that's not how I imagined her. You're way off base. Um, n- no, so. no. No. We, we sometimes, we struggle on... On accents, because <laughs> um, they're not exactly our strong suit. So we've been yeah. we've been we've been struggling on a on a character who's got a British accent in this next book, and it's it's been a challenge syncing up the posh RP accent mm-hmm. with the sort of the lower socioeconomic like London, almost Cockney mm. accent. Mm-hmm. And getting those to align because so yeah that's quote British accent <laughs> means a lot of different things so that's been it has been an argument per se it's just been an exploration it's been, it's been work to get those <laughs> yeah. to sync up. Well, I was listening to um, Deicide this morning. Um, thank you for the free code, whoever gave that to me, and um, I enjoyed your portrayal of Hermes so far, Jeffrey. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. That's a so that that Love actually that is. That's a that yeah. That's one of my favorite books to do so far, um, and that's a good example of a duel that's done that's not in romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, it's so. it's more mystery science science thriller, right? It, yeah, it's urban fantasy mm. comedy, mostly comedy, comedy mm-hmm. action. I mean, it's it spans a bunch of genres. It's Deicide by M. K. Gibson. Um, <laughs> And I was yeah, about to say, plug of, away. I love urban fantasy yeah. and stuff that references the Greek mythos. So awesome. Uh, yeah, and it's and yeah, and it's got very uh, the humor is I don't want to say juvenile, but it's uh, <laughs> childlike. He, you know, he, I mean, there's what a, a pooping unicorn or something yeah, like that. Yeah, flying, uh, yeah. flying Pegasus. Pegasus. Flying yeah, Pegasus <laughs> that shits. Uh, excuse me. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great book. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> it answers the deep questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So I was curious, do you do you guys market yourselves differently as sort of like a dual narration package or um or how do you pursue your own marketing strategies differently? Well, um so we're working on that. We have been promoting ourselves as dual. We will for example on ACX we will audition if we see a book calls for dual 
dual narrators, we will actually submit an audition that has both of us in that audition. And we'll say in the notes, dual narration team, Heather Costa and Jeffrey Kafer. But there's also sort of a catch-22 about that in that if they, the, the listener, loves Heather, for example, but doesn't love me, they may think that we are a bonded pair. Mm. Right? So if you look in, in something in romance, I mean, it's very poly amorous or whatever that is you know they, they, <laughs> you share partners a lot um so they you know even you know couples who are actually married in real life they will go and do narration with other people all the time so you don't want to be you want to it's it's cool it, it's a challenge to to market with the other person but not give the impression that you'll only work with that person so do you add that little like fine print like we're totally okay if you just like one of us because because I've heard certain uh, voice actor couples like Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal or Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham do just that they're like we're not we're not strictly a package set if you like one of us we're not going to be offended if you only hire one of us right that well that's that is the challenge I mean I have put that in notes mm-hmm. but that's that's the challenge. Well, to carry on a theme, then, do do either of you have multiple partners in narration, that is? I mean, have you... <laughs> I know, Jeffrey, you've done a lot more books than Heather, but have you worked with anyone else in a dual narration? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've narrated with a bunch of different women. You know, we have an, we have an open narration relationship here. It's okay. So, not to get too personal here, but uh, I'm in this situation myself where I do want to submit an ACX audition with a partner, and uh, I'm going through the, you know, the list of people I've worked with. How long do you wait before... You get an answer from somebody before you worry about missing out on the, that audition because it gets uh, it gets casted. What do you mean? So once I submit an audition? No, like, like if you you want to do something with Heather, let's say, but you don't know if she's yeah. available, and you're watching that, let's, let's assume it's ACX, and you're watching that title and worried that it's going to be taken up because, frankly, there usually aren't that many well-paying titles available for pay per finished hour. Do you wait a day? Do you wait two days to see if Heather's available, or yeah. do you move down the list quickly? We're usually in touch with each other right away. So if there is a book, we both jump on it pretty, yeah. pretty instantly. Heather uses um, Audiobook Scout, which she gets almost real-time email alerts that there's a book that fits the parameters of that she wants to narrate for. Well, that was a really awkward way of saying that, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we can cut out that pause. It's okay. No, that's totally fine. I don't care. This is real. This is raw. Um, anyway, so she gets real-time notifications of when a book is right for her and or us to narrate together. And so I'll get an email, hey, this just showed up. Let's do an audition. And within an hour of getting that... We're submitted. We can be submitted, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So let's talk about your how you've been received as a team for your dual or duet narrations. What have your fans had to say about your work? Oh, they hate us. <laughs> we are the worst. Um, no, it's been positive. Um, they like the the romance stuff has been very well received, um, and so has Deicide um, yeah. in the urban fantasy crowd. Yeah, they talk about the chemistry that they love, um, how we feed off of each other, how the voices match, how they feel connected to the characters that we they they think we're a great team. Well, I think it's a testament to the collaboration that you mentioned earlier, like everything between like working in the same studio space to being communicative throughout the entire process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that definitely plays a big part. And, you know, they like the sound of the voices together and they just, you know, when you when you know someone really well, you you understand how they work and you are able to play off of each other in that way. 
Yeah, I can almost, before I've even heard some of her narration, I can, I've done enough books that I can hear how she's going to narrate her part in a way, or how if I come across a character in my chapter, I can almost hear how she's going to sound <laughs> when she narrates that character so I can emulate in a way without even having to hear her. Awesome. Sounds like you both have excellent directors in their brains. <laughs> Let me try and say that again. <laughs> it's multiple personalities. <laughs> Indeed. It's, it's, a, it's a job benefit, I guess, or a yes. But so we touched on it in a, a couple of our earlier questions, like some of the unique challenges and considerations of doing duet and dual narration. But what about for the next generation or like, a, or say, audiobook narrators who are already doing a number of single titles but are interested in pursuing more duet and dual narration work? What do we recommend for them? Or what, yeah, or, or like a, any additional considerations. You know, for those who are starting out and getting into this, I would find another narrator whom you are comfortable working with and get started with them instead of just sort of putting yourself out there for whoever wants to take you. <laughs> so, you know, team up with somebody else. I know that's what I did. Um, and you get a few titles under your belt with somebody that you know and you trust and you figure out your way. I think that's better than just sort of putting yourself out there, not having any experience doing dual mm. and then being overwhelmed by somebody else's process. Gotcha. So get screen your accountability buddies, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. Exactly. That's That's a good way to put it, yeah. So don't go to Facebook and just post, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I do see that like quite a bit. long walks on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my Match.com profile. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny, Jeffrey. I was hey, totally... there's an idea for a new website. <laughs> NarratorMatch.com. You heard it here first. Go. Okay, see, I got the entrepreneurial gears going in my head. Go, go line up that domain right now. Yeah, I'm totally going to do it. You know, I was actually expecting, Jeffrey, the, the Seinfeld answer from you uh, when we asked, what should people do if they want to get into it? And say, sorry, there's no titles available. No, nothing available <laughs> for you guys. I don't know if you saw this post, but I wrote to Michael Crichton like 25 years ago when I was a teenager and said, hey, do you need any help working on Jurassic Park? <laughs> and the movie Jurassic Park, because I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I said, also, do you have any advice about the film business and i got a reply back in a letter back from his secretary of course saying mr creighton is busy right now uh, but he wanted me to reply and he says thanks but he's good for jurassic park <laughs> and as for advice about the movie business avoid it if you possibly can <laughs> and that good just advice that just made you want it more didn't it what's that that just made you want it more didn't it i totally did yes <laughs> yeah it's funny how that works yeah, I'm not in the credits of Jurassic Park. I don't know why not. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Consultant for Michael Crichton, Jeffrey Kafer. Yes. So I added one more question that's a little bit off off script, but I think it's it's prudent for your opinions on this because of the recent news this week. So there was a, a press release from an arm of Findaway that they were partnering along with a company called Deep Zen to have computer-generated voice-narrated books. I'm wondering how you feel that might affect narrators in general and what you feel the future of the audiobook business in general looks like. Um, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not crying chicken little, or I'm not chicken little. The, the sky is not falling for the voice synthesized thing for audiobooks. Uh, first of all, the union is on it. They're already yeah. well aware of the issue. So they're totally on that. And, you know, 
my opinion is it's going to come down to licensing. They're going to license voices to create these synthesized works. And my attitude is if some deep Zen or whoever wants to create my to uh, create audiobooks using my voice while I'm sitting on a beach somewhere drinking Mai Tais, sign me up. <laughs> as long as they license my voice and pay me, totally fine. I know that sucks. That's everybody, all the voice actors are like, you suck, Taper. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, we can't stop technology. We can only uh, make sure we get paid for, for the use of it. I can't see it taking over completely. I mean, there's a performance element, obviously, that we love that we lose out on if we're just recording parts of our voice to be used in that way. But like Jeff said, if it's happening anyway, might as well make it work. Yeah, I don't. For us without I, fearing it. I, I don't see this taking over our jobs in the near term because listeners really do believe that this is a relationship between them and the narrator. I can't imagine going and getting a, you know, somebody who I really enjoy listening to, like Scott Brick, and knowing that that was a synthesized voice, there would be something, there would be such a disconnect there mm -hmm. that it would not feel like I was having. A relationship with Scott. <laughs> There's yeah. that polyamory again. Actually, but you all, you also have a relationship with Scott, like in what? real life, <laughs> as do I and Sean. So I'm wondering if that affects your your view of it, and maybe it, maybe it does or doesn't. But I think you're right. The relationship that a listener has with that narrator is going to be important for some time to come. I think. Oh, yeah. I think listeners, even when they don't know the person and like actually know the person, they feel like they do. I mean, when you see them talking about them, you know, the, the narrators online, they act as if they, they, you know, really connect with this person. They love this person. They, you know, they have that relationship in their minds with them. Yep. Yeah. And I actually agree with you, Jeffrey. I had the same opinion when I first saw that press release. In fact, one step further, I actually, that day I went to Deep Zen's website and submitted my voice as a, as a narrator because I think there's no way you can avoid it and you're just going to have to embrace it. And I think that's ultimately where the technology is going to fall, at least I hope. We had a similar discussion at the Vocation Conference last year in New York City with a brilliant panel of people actually involved in, in synthesized voice. And that's sort of what their opinion was, too, that even as a company producing these voices, they hope to use it as a benefit to the industry as, a, as opposed to a detriment. Well, so I don't think I would actually go and submit my voice, but um, <laughs> I don't want to help the technology, per se, um, not without having a, some sort of an assurance or licensing product, you know, contract in place. Right. Well, that's, that's to be determined. I, di I didn't sign away okay. any rights yet. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Worldwide in perpetuity perpetuity uh, usage of your voice. For... No, I'm just more curious about what they were proposing and what a contract like that would look like. And then obviously I'd bring it to my representation and maybe even an attorney and have it looked over. But I think yeah. it's it's interesting and I was willing to be the guinea pig to see what that what they're thinking and what it looks like. Right. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And you're not going to be able to stop the technology by any means. We just need to learn how to get paid. Right. Well, thank you guys so much for this awesome discussion. Uh, all I want to ask is how can we hear from you more? How can we reach out to you? How can they find out about your work? Uh, what's the best ways to contact you to do audiobook work? So my audiobook website is heathercostaaudiobooks.com. And I'm on ACX as well. Um, I'm, and this one rolls off the tongue, audiobook-voice-over.com, also jeffreycaver.com, also highgravityproductions.com, also audiobookboom.com, <laughs> also freeaudiobookcodes.com. I need to stop buying domains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also on Audible. <laughs> 
Well, both of you, thanks for being here. Heather, I don't know if you know this, but you're actually our first repeat guest. You were on oh, way back on episode three or four, three years I ago. I remember. If you can believe that. Great. So wow. you're, you're our first repeat guest, and we're honored to have you. Jeffrey, thanks for joining us as well. I've been chasing Thank you, you for as almost as long, probably three years, and I knew you'd say yes if Heather said yes, so thanks for being here. Yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> we that's finally got good enough, guys. Jeffrey said yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> they like me. They really like me. Uh, you can also find our duet and dual narration website at romanceaudiobooknarrator.com. Guys, stay safe. Uh, Thank you, you too. Happy Easter, those who celebrate, and um, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Walgreens, because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? Prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Wow, that was awesome. So thank you very much, Jeffrey and Heather, for being on the podcast. Like, I, I honestly didn't understand the idiosyncrasies between dual and duet narration, and... It really adds an interesting element to the process. I mean, yeah, the logistics are a little bit more complicated, but, I mean, just that collaboration and having someone to work off of throughout the duration of the progress is really an exciting proposition. Wouldn't you agree, Paul? Yeah, and as long as you work with somebody, first of all, that knows what they're doing, which you should be doing anyway, someone that has a good studio and knows how to to master their files or has an editor that they trust that can do that for them, and you have the same then it works out pretty well. I've done two now with two different author, uh, sorry, two different narrators, and I had no problem matching up the sound at all. And I think when you listen to the finished product, it, it proves that both of us knew what we were doing, or all three of us in the case of the other, the other book. And it really came out great. Nice. Was there a bit of a screening process? Or were you ever concerned what it was going to be like to work with this person? A bit. I mean, the first one, uh, the first one I did was with... Um, Laurie Catherine Winkle, and I just know her personally from hanging out and, and talking in Bio Atlanta and then just virtually over the years. And I know she's super talented, so that wasn't a worry. Um, and the logistics, like I said, I knew that she had a good sounding studio because she had sent me files before, and that was an easy an easy choice. And the second one, um, a bit more of a feeling out process, uh, but the, the narrator I work, I'm working with now, even was featured on an ACX blog post that I was also featured on that we talked about on the, on the show a couple of uh, months yeah. ago. So I knew she was vetted and, and respected by the ACX community and Audible, so I knew it would be an easy an easy fit. But it, it, is, it does take a little bit of learning each other, sort of like Jeffrey and Heather were saying. You have to know the voices that each person can do and where to sort of match them up as best you can. So it does take a little bit of a, of a process, but once you've done a few, then you can really... You can really roll with it. Well, that's awesome. Well, hopefully you can work with more or those people again in the future. And that's really, really cool. 
So before we go, we want to thank our sponsor, Vocabooth To Go. Vocabooth To Go's patented acoustic blankets are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. Often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. We make your environment quieter for less. All right, thanks to Vocabooth To Go. And thanks again to Jeffrey Kafer and Heather Costa for joining us. Uh, finally, Jeffrey. Heather, as we talked about, was our... <laughs> For those who don't know, Jeffrey was one of the first people we had in mind as a guest on the podcast, and he turned us down numerous times. But yeah, you, no but offense, I, 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 yeah, I don't think he turned us down any more than Dunk Turkell did, and he finally came on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we mentioned, Heather is our first repeat uh, guest, so thanks again to Heather for coming back on the show. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay sane, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter.